you make it there and can make it back. That never gets old, folks. <laughs> Salutations. Right. Welcome, motherfuckers, to another episode of Travel and Shit, where I, your host, G. Carrie, have an expiry, exp, hmm, conversation based on experiences, not this. It's more of an experience here. Uh, where you go doesn't really matter, but what you learn while you're there is what counts. Welcome back to another episode. Um, so can't think of any important announcements, but we're in the holiday season. So, you know, check out the episode description for discount codes for merch um, and other stuff that's important. I have a guest. Welcome to my guest, my special guest, the creator of all of my incredible theme songs. Because if you remember, I've got three and I had a really fuck ass time, hard, really difficult uh, time choosing. But I've gotten um, response from a couple people that just say something about this one just catches. Like they're just popping around and they're like, why is that song in my head? So this is what we're running with. <clears throat> the creator, the artist, Magnificent Abe. Hello, 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 hello. Abe, go ahead and introduce yourself. What's up to the good people? It's Abe from New York, artist, creator of this lovely theme song that I love. And you know, the crazy thing about the theme song and the crazy thing about all three of those is that like, you know, it's fun. It's fun to be like, hey, you know, you have an idea and I really want to work with you. Like I want to create something. But creating those as fun as they are now that was some stress. Nah, <laughs> really? That was some stress. Oh, D. It was just like, like trying to capture someone else's. Like, I know what music hits for me, but just like creating something and being like, okay, I want this to not only like sound good, but like capture how you want things to feel. That was stress. But I'm happy <laughs> it worked. It overworked. So um, let the people know what you do. What um, Give your comprehensive uh, intro. Okay, yes, I gotta sell myself. Here we go. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm a producer, I'm an artist, I'm a songwriter out of New York, Queens, New York, what's up? Uh, I make I make music. I try, I make music for, you know, myself. I'm an artist, Abe, you could look me up on Spotify, uh, Apple Music, everywhere, platforms, you know? Uh, but I also, I, I love to just make music for people. I like to make accompanying music, you know, for your companies, for your clothing brands, for your for your ads, for anything. Like any idea that you want translated into music, I love doing that sort of stuff. So that's kind of what I've been doing for this quarantine times is you just and like connecting with other creators and, you know, having their ideas translated into music form. I can't y'all, I um I have a special soft spot for uh, this kid because this is my little cousin. I went from changing his diapers and giving him warm milk before bed. When I tell you he was, he and his sister were the, my most lucrative job, <laughs> babysitting these two. And so I get in my super uh, big cousin bag to see all of the uh, growth and accomplishment. And it's, it's different when First of all, I have a lot of really creative little cousins and they are my favorites. I ain't gonna hold you, like the creative ones. I love all y'all. My yeah. creative little ones are my favorite and they grown. And it's incredible to see um, them develop, not just as like dynamic people, but the work that they're able to do. And so for me, a person that is able to um, 
I guess you could say translate travel into other realms of things, just being able to see, I consider it a, a non, I guess it's a tangential form of travel, if you will. Mm-hmm. I've seen the growth in so many of the people that I care about, uh, not just as friends, but family as well. So I absolutely wanted to have Abe come on as a guest uh, because I've personally seen the growth and growth is another form of travel for me. And that's one of the things that I really appreciate about the podcast here, Travel and Shit, that it, I guess you can say it encompasses travel in a lot of different modes and modalities because I absolutely, absolutely strongly to my core believe that travel is so much more than vacation. It doesn't necessarily have to be destination-based and that's a very large tenant of what travel and shit is here. So uh, let's jump into your beginning as an artist and where you see yourself going in the future as an artist. So how did you start? How did you get into music and how do you see yourself changing as an artist for your future? Yeah, so I, I got into music in a way that you you were there as I got into music. I was sleeping in dancing schools in our family dance school where I was falling asleep to African drums on Saturdays and like always around dance and always around music. So like I now I'm able to see that like that was so crucial for like me wanting to do music is just being around even though like I wasn't necessarily being trained in music. I learned how to play the violin in like uh, elementary school. I've always kind of dabbled in instruments. So like I've always had the background, but just like growing up around, like when you hear so much music at some point, like you just start real, I just started realizing that like, oh, I want to like, I have melodies that come to my head. I have these feelings, like I have music inside me now that I want to produce. And then it definitely started to become more of a serious and intentional thing in high school. And that's that was just solely because like I didn't really like I had friends in high school that I loved, but I was coming home and I was making music, you know, like I went to school at like an hour and a half away from my house. So I'm coming back home four o'clock, whatever time I get out after basketball, whatever. And I'm just I'm just doing music in my home. Like I don't really have a lot else to do. Not that I wanted anything else to do either, you know, (laughs) so I was just doing music for like four years. And as you know, anyone who does something for a long period of time, like you really don't even have to be intentional about it. But like year four, you're like, oh snap. Like I could, like I could do some things now that I really never even imagined I could do. But yeah, so I just, I spent a lot of time, music just came very like, it was crucial to me being able to express myself during that time. And I just picked up a whole bunch of skills and a whole bunch of knowledge. like. Shouts out to YouTube, taught me how to play piano, you know, Mm. taught me how to play piano, taught me how to do a lot of the production, like the music production that I do on Ableton, stuff like that. So, yeah, that was kind of where music, like the music knowledge and the understanding kind of came. And then in college, it was different, you know, like first year of college, I was in a group. Oh, I'm still in a group called Bogus. And we we had put together this one song that was kind of just, it wasn't a joke, but it was just like, this was just one song. We were all guys who just loved making music. We put together this one song. We like told everyone about it. We were like, yo, we're performing this one song. We're putting it out tonight. Come to this party. We're gonna be performing it. Literally just like word of mouth, like just running to anybody on campus that would listen. We 
every, we invited everyone. Everyone pulls up on this night. We perform this song literally on just like a table with drinks. We just clear the drinks off. We're standing on this table in this middle of this apartment party. And it went amazing and it went crazy. And from there, it was just like, oh yeah, okay, this is this is what we're, this is what I'm gonna do. This is what we're gonna keep doing. So that song did well. Like we got onto some playlists and stuff like that on Spotify. So that was kind of like the assurance that like, yeah, you can make music, but you can also make music that people like and that people want to listen to. So that was really exciting. And then after that, yeah, it just like I just more of my focus came on to like. Right, I'm about to really focus on making music that I love. Like, I'm going to keep making music that feels right for me. I think that's just the thing for me now is continuing to make stuff that feels right. And now that I've gotten into, like, actually making music for other people to execute other people's ideas and visions, that idea of what feels right to me is going to work for other people has been, like, it's kind of mind blowing, but also really like inspiring of, okay, I think I have a good compass. Like I have a good musical compass, like my ear is okay. I think I can direct myself. So now it's just like, okay, I'm just trying to take as much information like, oh, you guys are doing, you're doing this, you have a clothing brand and this is the aesthetic for the clothing brand. Hey, let me, let me try and do this in music. Let me see how I could do this to make it feel like it looks, you know? So now I'm just kind of like, I feel like I have a lot of the paints and the tools and all the crafts. Now I'm just like, yo, give me projects. Let me see what I can do. Like, now I'm just testing myself out, you know, really experimenting with what I know and what I have. So other than uh, violin and the school of YouTube, have you been classically trained in music at all? Or am I classically, I mean, just um, in terms of going to musical programs and just going to uh, having instruction? Yeah. I, I took a piano class for like maybe three weeks for a little while with some dude who's in college. He would literally like fall asleep while we were doing classes. Like I I was so bad. I never did any of the homework. So it like never, it didn't really work out. I've had like a couple, I've had a lot of instances like that where it's like, I really, I signed up cause I was like, oh, I want to learn music. And then I got in that class atmosphere and was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be in this. Like, I just want, I just want to make music. So I've had some things like that. Like I went to a summer camp for a week where they taught us like music production a little bit. And those were definitely a part of my learning, but I would say large, most, most of my learning and my knowledge came from YouTube. And then once I got to college, I'm now I'm majoring in music. So like I've taken music theory courses. I like everything. I probably heard everything that I'm learning now three or four times before I actually heard it in the classroom. But then, you know, being in that classroom environment is kind of different. So yeah, I've definitely, my training has come from so many different places. It's all been very cumulative and like building from a whole bunch of different people. Who do you think that you sound like? Cause I know in my mind, I don't say who you sound like, I guess who are your musical, how do they put it in the music world? Like who are your musical influences or yeah. the way I see it? outside looking in, I think of, when I hear your music, I can think of artists that are um, mainstream or yeah. that I think of when I hear your music, like who are your musical influences? so I can see whether or not the ones that I know of are what I'm thinking. You know what I mean? Like if, if the two yeah, yeah. coincide, go ahead. Uh, I mean, so that's, it's a, it's a hard question, but also an easy question. Like first off the bat, I have to say, 
Kanye West, Kendrick Lamar, Tyler the Creator, Frank Ocean, like those are guys who, Childish Gambino, J. Yep. Cole, like those are guys who I was listening to when I was really young and like they were cool. Am I really like, young? Oh, what are you, like 19, 21? Yeah, I'm 20, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> when I was more childish, I will say. I okay. Uh, That's the tour. Yeah, uh, those those guys were like th they inspired me. Like those were my heroes when I was younger. But now it really comes from a, like a lot of different sounds. Like now I'm really into the musicality and like mm -hmm. uh, the feelings of music. So like D'Angelo, Amy Winehouse have been really impactful for like how I think of singing, how I think of even writing, and just like the feel of music. But uh, it's like a lot of different people. I also think Stevie Wonder plays a huge role because my mom loves him so much. So it's like, I wanna, I wanna impress my mom with my music too. So like Stevie Aww. Wonder comes from a very, yeah. But it comes from like so many different places. Like if you look through my Apple Music or my Spotify, it's chaos. Like it really is a like a mess. But that's so. how my mind works. I feel like you have a cohesive sound. And one of the first people I immediately thought of was Childish Gambino in the sense that you don't just sing and you don't just rap and you're very musical. Like it's not just you um, laying vocals over a beat, like it all connects. And yeah. that's one of the things that I appreciate about your music is the way it builds also. And so, and also if you come to, what's the thing? Uh, I feel like Ryan Leslie comes to mind also in terms of being like a strong producer, but then also a strong artist in and of yourself. Yeah. Um, I don't feel as if your talents lean one way or the other, you are very strongly um, gifted in both. And one of the things that I appreciate is how your music builds as it goes. Like you'll start with like one beat, one sound. And then it's kind of like one of the groups that comes to mind is like the internet. Yeah. The way a lot of their music progresses and builds as it goes. Um, who, what was one of the other? I love music, but I don't think that I'm one of those people that, you know how people like shoes, but then you got sneakerheads. You yeah. know how people yeah. that like music, but then you got people that are always into, like that would be great A&Rs. That's not me. I just appreciate it for as it comes to me and then I can kind of just disappear and then I only listen to podcasts for five months straight. And then I'm like only listening to music because I come into something else. Yeah. But I will say, when I look back at my Spotify, like your top things, like you were yeah. absolutely in my Spotify top uh, for the year. I, I feel like it was Move. I think I Move was the song that I played the shit out of. Your song's top 20, let's see. Yeah, first was All I See, Christopher Williams. Cause like I told you, yeah. I love me some good 90s R&B. And then yeah. it's you, Move. That's so tight. Oh man, I appreciate it. I want you around, Snow Allegra. Ooh. Childish yeah. Gambino. What is 1238? I don't know which one that is. That's the one featuring 21 Savage, Inc., and somebody else. Okay. And then Naima Supreme, Breach. Yes. Queens, Queens. Honey Diamond. Yep. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. And that was my top five. And after that was Marvin Gaye, I Want You. Right. Yeah. Those were my most played songs in 2020. Those are some, so, that's a solid group of songs right there. Solid group of artists. <laughs> And I can see how uh, between you, Childish Gambino, I have a I have a certain sound that I think I stick to. Oh, mm -hmm. your old Nasty Nights was in there. That's closing up the top ten. Tight. You're there also. More Childish Gambino, more Christopher Williams. So yeah, and then a dance so good to song two. That's in there. I have a lot of dirty skin in here, and I know you've got a new 
there's a whole lot in here. Yeah. The more I scroll, like <laughs> you're pretty heavy in the, in the rotation, kid. It's crazy. And it's crazy. And it's because you're not the only friend or family member that I have that does music. I just feel like your music speaks to me the most. Wow. And I think that as a younger person, I absolutely wanted to get you on here to not just talk about music, but then travel as well. So in terms of I'm watching, I just got bacon and no, you cannot have bacon. My little co-host uh, Binksy has uh, moved off of the stage and it's just eyeing the bacon. But nice. so I know you mentioned that you went to school like an hour and a half away from you. And I know that you went to a high city ass prep school. So how did that influence your opinions? Um, I see how it can definitely give you more of an eclectic musical taste perhaps, um, because I know I went to um, elementary and junior high right here in the hood. So yeah. my musical taste, although my parents never really listened to the, like, you know how people say, there was always music playing in the house. We never had really music playing yeah. in the house. We only yeah. had music in the car. And the only station my parents listened to was CD 101.9, either one of them. So yeah. the other car I was in, I always knew as a kid when Sade had some new shit, when Boney yeah. James and Kenny G, you know what I mean? Dropped albums and shit like that. But yeah. when I got to school, everybody was doing 702. Everybody was on Biggie, everybody was on Jay-Z. And I was just like, uh, what? Yeah, and yeah. So I didn't really, feel as if I was able to connect to my peers in terms of the music that I was listening to because it took me a while to get into my own musical taste. Like I had to grow into that. I didn't start finding music that I liked until I was very well into junior high. Yeah, and That's when I started being able to find artists that looked like me and artists that um, were just, you know, closer to my demographic because as much as I love a good Sade, but we've got a little bit of space. Yeah. But um, that being said, how do you feel your um, your peers shape your views on travel? Because I think the most of the friends that I had, we traveled with our grandparents or we may have done, um, you know, little road trips to family um, events. Like we may have gone from New York to New Jersey, New York to Virginia, New York to, um, you know, North Carolina and Georgia. That yeah. was as much travel conversation I had with peers growing up. What was your experience like in terms of travel as a kid? Yeah, so I would definitely say I grew up like elementary school for like the first, until I was like 11 years old, I like all I ever saw was blackness, you know, like I went to an all black uh, school in Queens. So like my foundations for my life were very set in my culture. Like I knew, mm -hmm. I, I think I have a different experience. That's, I just want to clarify, like I, I think I have a different experience than a lot of people who went to prep schools because like my foundations were so strong. And even like while I'm in this high school, while I'm in these spaces that were very different from my life at home, like I went to a school, Birchwath and Lennox, a, a very like private, rich, white school in the city, like, I was still on the weekends going to play basketball in Jamaica, Queens. Like I was still, so you know, like my life, mm -hmm. it was very different, but I still was attached. So I think I, my experience is definitely different, but yes, to speak to the travel, like to the way that they impacted me was like, you know, you just don't, you don't see certain things when like, you don't see certain things in Queens. You don't see certain things in the hood. Like, 
in Jamaica, Queens, you don't necessarily know about some of the experiences that other people have. And just seeing, like, your friend is going... Like, I didn't necessarily get to travel that much in high school, but, like, my sister went to Paris on a school trip when she was, like, 16. Like, that's crazy. That stuff, it was like, oh, these are things that I can look forward to. Like, these are things that I want to do now. And I think it kind of gave me the the perspective that, like, even if in the moment I don't have a circle of people that I love, like, even if I don't have best friends in this in this one moment or I don't have, like, my people yet, the world is so much bigger. I think that it gave me that perspective. It was just like, oh, people are, like, the world is really, really big. Like, people are going everywhere. You are not alone. Like, there are a lot of people for you to be able to interact with and be able to find. So... I definitely think that like being in that school and seeing, you know, all that I saw, seeing wealth that close up was mm-hmm. was just like it gave me the aspirations for what I wanted to see, but it also made me feel more comfort in like, oh okay, you know, there there's a lot else there's a lot that's left for me to see in this life, you know, high school or whatever I am in right now is not it at all. Oh. So it definitely it spurred my traveling now. I actually really think that college has really pushed me to travel, like to to think more about traveling than high school. Because high school was just like, yeah, okay, I see what they're doing. I'm going to get there someday. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing this someday. College was where it was like, oh, no, I'm going to do this. To, like, I'm starting to do this now. Mm-hmm. I would have to agree because it's not that luxury travel and, you know, international travel isn't in outside it's not like it's not here it's just that it's not prevalent we don't see it as something that is necessarily um commonplace if you will yeah you know my grandparents went on cruises all the time like i just felt like my grandparents were always on a cruise always on a cruise but they were retired you know what i mean so of course that makes sense and this was like back in the 90s um yeah i think my grandparents both uh graduated jesus they both uh retired in 1990, give or take. So when I was coming up, my grandparents were always like on a boat someplace and it seemed cool, but it just seemed like that's something you do when you get old. You know yeah. what I mean? It wasn't some, I never saw my friends going on cruises with their parents or grandparents. And it's not that it didn't happen. It's just that that wasn't something we talked about when we're exchanging, you know, comic books or when we jump in double Dutch, we're not talking about our vacations overseas. Yeah. I didn't, uh, start thinking that travel was an option for me until I got to college. And I immediately, my thoughts went to um, study abroad. But uh, in true Dana fashion, what is the least uh, resistant route that I can take? What can I do that is going to require the least amount of work? And yeah. honestly, that's how I chose my major. Yeah, I ended up doing communications because although I was a great writer, I didn't want to be told what to write and when to write. Although yeah. I um, really enjoyed production, I'm not a timely person. So that whole uh, renting equipment and organizing, collaborating with other students wasn't going to work for me. So I did media yeah. study because all I had to do was show up to some classes and get this degree. So it was easy. It was great. Um, in terms of study abroad, I talked myself out of it. Hmm. I considered... It's going to be so much paperwork. I'm going to have to do a whole bunch of forms. I'm going to have to look into this 
I was lazy. It was at the time, it seemed like so much work. And in hindsight, I wish that I had at least looked into it or considered it more because not traveling when I was college aged as an, as an older adult um, and still, uh, I still consider myself kind of a young adult, like young. five. And it's just oh, like, God. yeah. once I get to, th- like when I was 20, 35 was like, oh, I'm gonna have it figured it out. I'm gonna have it figured out. It'll make sense. I'll be well into that life and that adulting. And then you get to, when I hit 25, I'm like, my, my, my plan, my timeline isn't where, I, I'm not where I expected to be in order to get what I thought I would have at 30 and then 35. So, you know, I didn't leave the country until I was like 30. Mm-hmm. I think I went on, um, no, I did go. It was something with the church. Cause I remember your grandmother was there. My grandmother was there and your grandmother pretended to push me into fucking Niagara Falls and killed when I tell you I was terrified cause I was like 13, I want to say 12 or 13. And yeah. we had gone on, cause I feel like David was there too. We had gone on like some church trips to Toronto. We were there yeah. for Carabana. I remember eating pizza and I remember there was this one little light skinned boy playing mass and I, you could not tell me that we didn't lock eyes and we fell in love. Like that was it. <laughs> and that's all I remember about international travel. So I don't really like to count that one trip to Canada as me leaving the country. Yeah. I didn't leave until I was 30. So travel is completely new to me. And in my travels, I've seen, I don't want to, you guys are kids. I, I, I know that y'all swear you're grown, but you, you're grown, but you're not grown. And I love seeing kids traveling at 19, 18, 25, 20, 22. And it's just like getting that sense of the world that there is so much more for you to possess. There's so much more for you to experience outside of what is immediately at your grasp because something international can immediately be, you know, in your grasp. And when you got to college, how did, well, cause you're still in college. Like what is your thought process for traveling? How did getting, um, I guess a different worldview being that you're still in another fancy motherfucker school. So it's like, you're not necessarily in class with, um, how can I put it? College, I feel like regardless of how uh, Ivy League or not, you're still gonna have a vast uh, type of student. You know what I mean? College just gives you that opportunity. I don't give a a fuck how much your tuition is or isn't. There is a, you've got more types of people. However, you don't have the same kind of people, not, I don't wanna put it that way. The student that I would say more so, the aggregate norm of student or the possible, not necessarily experience either, York versus where you're at, York versus Adelphi, Queensboro versus Queens College. Like a community college versus a four-year institution versus a uh, university versus Ivy League. It's like there's, granted, you can find that middle aggregate of student, of kid, in yeah. all of those schools. However, there is always going to be a vast, you know what I mean? Like we're not finding kid, like uh, trust fund kids at York. Yeah. Not yeah. Happening. You know, so what is your college experience done for the type of travel that you've been, um, you know, I guess 
made aware of and feeling like maybe more of in your grasp. Yeah. So I feel like I had two stages of, you know, being enlightened to traveling college. My first was just that I I, I want to say it was coincidence and random, but I also believe in life kind of just like life does its thing sometimes. And my first friend, like my best friend right now in the world, she's from um, London. So like my first friend off the bat was from a completely different country, a, like a different continent. So that was just like whoa, there's so much that from the words we say to the types of thing that the types of things that we think are cool are so different. And like just having that relationship, having like a close relationship to someone that had such a different, not even such a different perspective, but just grew up in a different culture, grew up around different things was that was really mind opening. Like that was the beginning stage of like and she also like a lot of my friends are from the like Another friend that I have, she she lives in Rwanda. My a, a friend that I make music with, who's actually in Bogus, Kian, uh, Universal Stick is his uh, artist name. Um, he grew up in South Africa, so it's just like I I have so many friends that are able to talk about these experiences to these experiences with me, mm -hmm. and it's like I I kind of get to learn, and even though it's not the same as being in these places, it's still like it's it's a step closer to it than I was before, you know? So I, that was definitely a big part of it is just like talking to people from different places and learning from them. And also having those conversations and realizing that, you know, my worldview or my understanding of the world was not necessarily correct. Like I think growing up in America, and I think we've probably, a lot of us have dealt with this during this quarantine, you realize that like, I think growing up, at least for me, growing up in America was like, yeah, we're the number, America's the best place in the world. I'm so lucky that I grew up here. I'm so lucky that I was born here. I still am, like, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm born here. But, like, you grow up with this idea of America as such an absolute power. And, like, this is the best place. We don't really have to go other places because people come to us. Like, I think I grew up with that notion. And then talking to people from other countries and other places started to open my mind, my mind to like, oh, nah, like, we're just like any place else. Like, we're just another country in this world. So that that definitely changed how I thought of it. And then, you know, right before the, right before everything happened, the lockdown happened in March, literally like March 13th was when I got back from Cuba. That was my first time. Oh, wow, you were just there. Literally like, like at the airport when we had just gotten Wi-Fi on maybe like March 12th was when I got all of the news of the world, literally at one sitting. So yeah, that was like my first time traveling outside the country as a, a, a not a grown person, but a medium grown person. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, the most grown you've ever been. <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But that was, that was an experience of like, I think I fell in love with the discomfort that like, coming into a place and walking around and people looking at me and knowing that like I am foreign like I am not in a place where I'm comfortable I'm not in a place where I know the language I know the people I know the culture so I have to I have to work to become comfortable here I have to work to find peace here and that was just like I really love that I love getting to know people from other places because it just it, it helps me 
it helps me internalize the fact that like there are so many different ways to live like there is not this i think that's that was something that i grew up with is just like there was a one track to to life and traveling understanding people from different places has really opened my mind it's like there are so many different ways to do your life you know and none of them are wrong none of them are wrong at all so yeah college kind of meeting all those friends having being in those spaces really opened my mind to that and made me fall in love with the the idea of traveling and the idea of being uncomfortable and then definitely the second stage of me falling in love and like changing how I think about traveling was during quarantine where I got to speak to so many I've I went to a program where I got a whole bunch of mentors, music mentors, and we talked about music and traveling and how that helps to, you know, broaden your musical abilities and broaden your musical knowledge on music. But also we talked about being a black person in America and how it's really important that we leave America because like our identity, being a black, you're you're so you're so stuck in your identity in America. And like, I love my blackness. I love black culture. Like I'm the most proud, like I will yell that from the mountaintops, but I also, you know, I've never lived a life where I can just be Jabari and not even, not, not that I can't just be Jabari, but just feel like Jabari. Mm -hmm. I always feel like I'm carrying my blackness in like wherever I am in America, because in a way I am, you know, like it's black versus white. It's this versus like, I just you just feel that in America. And I had so many conversations with uh, older people who had been more experienced in traveling about, you know, what that can do for your blackness. Go go visit Africa. You know, one of my one of my uncles, he told me this and I I have to share with you this story because it was like the most beautiful thing ever. Like I was literally in tears when he told me this story about how he went to Ghana or he went to I forget exactly which country, but he went to some country in West Africa. Um, and when he was like 20 years old or something and he stayed with a host family and when he was there he met the grandma of the family and she would always come to him she was always so amazed by him and so like enthralled with him and one day she had told him that like I now I know how the story ends like now I know where it went and he was like what does that mean like what are you saying and she told him like okay when when she was younger she remembered being a kid and seeing all these people, like one day, there was all these people in the village and all these people that she knew. And then the next day they were all gone. Like they had just been taken, like they were, like no one talked about them, they were just gone. All these people that she had been seeing in her life were just taken. And you know, that's that was the slave, that was the slave trade. These people had been captured, taken to America. But as a kid, you don't know what's happening. She never knew what happened to any of these people. Nobody talked about it. And then when uh, my mentor, who got to Africa was with his family, she was like, wow, you're how the story ended. Like, I'm so happy to see that, like, these people didn't, like, it didn't end. They're, your story is continued. You came back and you are the people that disappeared. And wow. now I know where that went. And it was like, wow, you know, there's a place, there's a place that has history that still remembers us. And even though there's probably a, more people than not that wouldn't have that reaction upon seeing me in Africa, just hearing that story of like, there are people, there are people who still think about you. There are people who still like, you know, even through the disconnection of slavery and 
everything. Like there are still people, you, you still have an identity somewhere. And that like, that really, you know, it messed with me for a while, just thinking that like- Reasonably so, yeah. Yeah, that like someone still cared. Like the fact that she was like, wow, you finished this story for me was, mm. yeah, that really affected me. And that was like, okay, I want to, I want to meet these people. Like I want to, I want to go everywhere and see people and like continue the story. Like we didn't, we didn't get lost. We're still, we're still here. And we're something to be proud of also. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a, a full circle moment. Like we may not have been able to see ourselves uh, self-actualize within our, um, wherever our roots may have been. Um, Cause even if you do uh, your genealogy, ooh, I'm about to end up doing both. I did, um, not 23andMe, what's the other one? Ancestry, I did Ancestry and woo woo, 82% African. Um, at least that's the percentage that I, I got when I first did it. And I think I did that maybe, maybe seven years ago, give or take seven years ago. Cause I was in this apartment and it actually changes somehow. Like, I guess they get more information, the more people submit their results or whatever. And so like the different breakdowns, they're able to, I guess, give you a more uh, comprehensive look as to your genealogy. But I'm also going to do probably, excuse me, closer to January, the same thing with 23andMe. So I'm mm -hmm. curious to see how the two um, find different pieces of the same, I would assume, you know? Yeah. I don't know that they're all going to be um, the same, I, I would assume so, but if they're, but I assume that they may be using different sciences. Yeah. But, um, all that being said, even if we were to go someplace um, in Africa, I know one of my top two places I want to say to visit are um, Ivory Coast and um, what was the other place? Not Congo. Um, I can't remember it, but at this point, because they broke it down into four different countries from West Africa that. Um, I guess my ancestors originated from at least that I had the most genetic material from. Yeah. And I absolutely want to go there to see what could have been, if you will, but it wouldn't have been if I didn't end up being, my mama would say, uh, she's what, I think sixth generation free. So I'm seventh generation free, you know? Yeah. And I am very American all the way up to like, I'm not first generation, I'm not second generation, I'm not even third generation. Like I'm, to my understanding, like fourth, fifth generation American, like my great grandparents were all from, except for two of my dad's grandparents, hmm. two out of the four, you know, were from, uh, I think Jamaica. But other than that, it's just like, I'm very American. So I'm, you know, um, absolutely, definitely collect, connected to the transatlantic slave trade with the United States as opposed to a uh, Caribbean destination or uh, location. But that being said, even if I were to go to these countries, I wouldn't know where to go once I get there, you know? Yeah. But it's nice to feel as if wherever I would go, I would hope for a similar experience. You know what I mean? To go someplace and to feel welcomed. Um, I don't know what your experience in Cuba was, I'm curious, to hear what it was like, but I know in Cuba in particular, and I went to a couple of different destinations. I know I spent some time in Havana. I didn't really like old Havana. 
Okay. Just didn't really do it for me. Yeah. But I did a bunch of like day trips to different areas. So I can't really, and I, ooh, I know I stayed someplace coastal as well. I had like a five minute walk to the beach. And yeah, I could yeah. not for the life of me remember what the actual neighborhood or city was. But there in Cartagena, I had the most incredible experiences of blackness. Like if I just, and granted I traveled solo, so I didn't have um, a bunch of other people with me. And I felt like as long as I shut up, I could blend in. Yeah, I can't right. tell you the number of people that would walk up to me and just speaking, just start speaking Spanish. And it was just like, right. Buenas, pero no hablas That's it. That's all yeah. I, I, I can give you a greeting. I one shit ton of a greeting in Spanish. That's about it. And I just had such a connection to those locations in particular hmm. because, like you said, it's like I carry my blackness with me everywhere I go because I'm an American. And it's such a decisive place where it's. You, you don't have the luxury of, for me, I can't speak to all black people. I can't speak to, you know, anybody else's experience, but I know that I am not the only one who has this experience where regardless of where I go, if son, I was just talking to um, boyfriend about this the other day. I don't know if someone's looking at me because they find me attractive or because they're gauging whether or not I'm a threat or if they feel as if they have to treat me differently because of the color of my skin or because I'm a woman. So there's so many different directions that my mind is going and I'm constantly aware of how I exist in places because of what my experience is here in the, the place that I live in the United States. Yeah. And um, sim like, I guess also along the lines of what you also mentioned, we have to go someplace else just so that we cannot have that weight. However, I know for me, wherever I go, I carry that with me unless it's given to me otherwise. Like when I go, when I was in Cuba, when I was in uh, Colombia, I didn't have that weight of a black American on my shoulder because I was surrounded by blackness. Yeah. I just yeah. felt like as long as you, you know, don't fuck up, like you're good. Nobody's really fucking with you. Like I could walk into any space yeah. and not feel as if I was being looked at as if I didn't belong here or I wasn't, my um, my access to wherever I went didn't feel questioned. I didn't feel as if people were looking at me like how could you afford this? Or why is this something that you feel that you deserve access to? But when yeah. I go to countries that aren't or cities, I should say, that aren't predominantly Black or places where I don't necessarily feel that they have, I guess, uh, as, much, as much interaction with uh, people of color and Black people, that's when it's more, you know, heavily on my back. Like, one of the places I'll say is, um, was walking around Amsterdam. Now, mm. not, not Amsterdam. Was it Amsterdam or was it Norway? Norway, I was, I didn't really do too much city walking. I'm trying to think of I want to say it was Amsterdam. It was, damn, was it? I mean, because I do a lot of layover trips. Yeah. So, a pro tip, if you would like to increase the amount of places that you can see, don't disparage or don't shit on a layover. I have been able to see a lot of places within the perfect window of time. Like if you get a layover that will get you someplace, depends also on what you're into. I'm not a party person. Like I don't really 
nightlife doesn't do it for me. Yeah. I want a good span of time that I could just roam around and wander around the city. To so if I land place, yeah. at like 6 a.m. or 1 um, p.m., that gives me all the sunlight that I'm going to need to just get on the train, drop off my shit, and then just walk around an area. And let's just say it was Amsterdam. Um, I did some walking. I see myself in the hostel, and it's not the same hostel as I was in Amsterdam. So I know it wasn't Amsterdam, but I can't remember what the country was. Regardless of what country it was, I'm walking around, and people are looking at me. And I'm just like, why are you looking at me? So as opposed to just really being able to enjoy my surroundings or to just look around and experience the architecture of the country or to you know find a little uh, boutique here and there. And then it's just like, okay, so why didn't you greet me when I walk in? Is it a cultural thing? Do people just don't greet people when they walk into stores or do you not just, or do you think because I'm black, whether I'm American or not, because I haven't said anything. Yeah. You And granted, I will say that sometimes our Americanness is not just in our voices. It's also in how we carry ourselves and how we, um, how we present. I wouldn't be uh, naive enough to think that people from other countries can't recognize an American when they come in, especially if you're in a, you know, a city or in a touristy kind of place where you do interact with people from, you know, a lot of different places. But I always have all of this going in my mind. You know what I mean? So it is. It's a, and so back to where I think I started picking up on when you were mentioning some of the um, people in the group were telling you to leave. I absolutely agree. But I think that it's also important that when you do go to be aware of the preconceived notions and to the mindset that you're bringing with you. Because although it's important to put yourself in these locations, you have to be intentional and mindful about your experience in those locations that you don't necessarily bring in an American view. You Mm -hmm. want to be able to um, not take everything personal. Because I know that's something that I have to actively work on yeah. and be intentional about when I'm in um, another country or if I'm surrounded by people of another culture that I am looking at things that w- in a sense that'll keep me safe for one, but then also they just take, take America out of it. When I walk into an expensive store, they may be looking at me because I'm black and are you gonna be able to afford anything here? But don't necessarily bring that attitude and tone with you everywhere you go because you will miss those opportunities that are there for you in these different locations. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the craziest thing is that, you know, the first night of the first night in Cuba, like literally just going out, we got stopped by the police, like immediately walking down the street. But it was actually a I guess it's not heartwarming. It made me feel like I belonged only because when we got stopped, we got stopped by the police. I'm like, any type of police activity, I'm nervous, you know, already. Right. <laughs> like, and now I'm already in a different country. Like, the pressure is stacked. But we start speaking, you know, English, and they're off it. Like, they moved. We tell it to our the person we're staying at the hostel. We're like, yeah, we got stopped by the police last night. I'm not really sure what it was about. We had one person who spoke Spanish with us. And it turned out that because we were traveling with uh, two of the people in our group were fair-skinned, white, um, they we were like they thought that we were Cuban. So four of my friends, they thought that we were Cuban and that we were scamming these two ah. white people. Once we figured out, they're like, oh, no, make sure that they know you're American because they will protect you. Like, mm. they want to protect you. But that was just like... That was like getting thrown your worst fear right at the beginning. And then getting like beating it was like, okay, like I can sort of calm down. But like that feeling still of, you know, 
people are looking at me and I'm foreign, that's that like that feeling. It kind of goes away, it, it, or it went away for me a little bit, like as, as the more time we spent there. And then once I got to know that, like, oh, people think you're Cuban, that kind of calmed it down for me. But I definitely, I definitely know that, like, while I was there, I was, I was maintaining my blackness and the like internally. Like, I wonder if they can tell. Where like I, I wonder if I'm wearing my American blackness, or I wonder if they're like just peeping me as like, why is this Cuban moving with all these people? Like moving with these people who are don't seem to be Cuban at all. But yeah, that it, it still was definitely on the mind. But that experience of having like getting stopped by the cops, you know, funny enough, that was what made me feel more like, oh okay, I'm at home. Like I can fit in here. You know, even the police, they're seeing me as Cuban, even though they thought I was being a pimp with these like random people they still see me as Cuban and that yeah just seeing just seeing blackness as the majority mm. it's different it was really different like that that really it made me feel at home even though I was still carrying my blackness around with me you know there was still the moments of like I wonder how you're perceiving me like I wonder like you said like are you perceiving me as a black man from America or, but just like knowing that there were people like that I could slide in as a Cuban and kind of go under the radar, having another place, being completely out of my, out of my comfort zone, being out of my country, but still feeling like I was home. That was a, that was a feeling I won't forget. And that I want to try and carry when I travel. It's like, I don't think I'll look like the people that I'm around anywhere that I go, but just having that feeling of like, I don't even know what it is, but just being comfortable wherever you are as an outsider, as like, I'm just here to experience this place mm -hmm. makes it feel like home for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I had that traumatic experience. I think that goes to, um, that's a very, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that as much as I fear the unknown, I think that I thrive on that excitement of not knowing what the fuck I'm walking into when I go someplace else. Like I can Google as many things as I want. I can read as many reviews on Airbnb or I can read reviews on experiences. I can read as many reviews as the internet will give me. Yeah. But that whole just showing up and being someplace and not being from there, as weird as it makes me feel here, like I don't like go, I, I won't say I don't like going, but I don't think I, tr I know that I don't try as many new things here at home in New York as I do when I'm traveling. Like when I'm traveling, throw me in the game. Tap yeah. me in, I want to do it all. Just because one, I ain't paid to get all the way out here to stay in the fucking Airbnb. And right. two, the, it's exciting for me. Just like that, I, I thrive off of that level of, um, adrenaline and you know things that I find myself doing on vacation like jumping into the middle of the fucking ocean off of a boat or mm -hmm. swimming with wild ass sea lions I don't know what a fucking natural predator the sea lion is you know I don't know if these niggas is gonna be scared of me or not I don't know but guess what I didn't google it first I signed up for the experience and jumped the fuck in I had a uh, what do you call the thing the, the life vest which I put on wrong. Apparently there's a right and a wrong way to wear a life vest, folks. That's news. They got those long strappy things, step in. 
especially if you are of slight frame. So the whole thing was just like pulling me up and like <laughs> to the side. So I'm trying to like, I'm kicking, but it ain't doing nothing because the it's very buoyant. And so yeah. it was pulling me. And so I'm unable to control myself because I didn't step into the life vest. Totally new. Didn't know that was a fucking thing. So pro tip, if you can step into that hoe. This way it stays securely, I guess, around like your actual frame and keeps you like level, whatever. But yeah, I do all kinds of scary things abroad that I don't do at home. And I still, I've tried to, you know, work through why that is. I've had a therapist on the show. Um, shout out to that episode. Um, that was a really good one. I'm trying to, um, I know she has a couple of different podcasts and I know her co-host's name is Nubia. I'm trying to remember what her name is. I said, Francis. Thank you again to Francis for coming on a black woman therapist and um, definitely had some conversation about or surrounding why we may be more inclined to do scary things abroad than we are at home. But I don't know what it is like that level of that being out of my comfort zone further away from home. I guess it's the, when I'm home, I can control things a little bit differently than I can when I'm abroad. And I think I'm more ready to, um, give up that control when I have so much less in my control. And mm. the only thing that I can control when I'm abroad is just how I respond to things. And so I think that I just give myself those opportunities to respond and to just react. Whereas here, I know that this is my normal. This is, yeah. my, I, this is my constant. This is what I have to maintain because this is what I come back to. This is where I always you know, come back in and find peace or find safety and comfort. Yeah. So I think the, idea of doing newer things home is a little more uh, scary to me because I've already established a level of control at yeah. home, but I have no control outside of how I respond to things when I travel. So that's interesting that uh, you brought that, to me, it's interesting that you brought that up. Yeah. And do so, you think it's a, a little bit of the, like, knowing that it's temporary too, kind of like that college yeah. feeling of like, oh yeah, I'm only here for four years. Fuck it. Okay. Like, yep. Like, oh, crazy, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And I think because, and I th you know what, quiet as it's kept, I think that that whole being an American thing also plays to your advantage because although I do see myself as like a lower tier American, like let's, let's be honest, I don't see my government sending any troops to come save me if anything happens to me. Nah. I know that there's not going to be, you know, a, um, a GoFundMe to, you know, save this one there's no international press about she's locked up abroad or ain't nobody gonna give a fuck i got you i'll start it i'll start i got appreciate you. it, <laughs> I'll, I'll so, it if i fuck up somehow we got you on we got you on the job but um i do feel like that whole being american to a certain little level may come with that bit of you know we have embassies in different locations or we do have certain um uh, I mean, yeah, because I, I don't know. I think that that may be, I was actually in a clubhouse room and it's not the same, but it's tan it's along the same lines. One of the um, conversations was a feeling that you always have to grind, that you always got to work hard. And there was a comparison between, uh, what do you call it? Um, first generation immigrants and immigrants to this country versus Americans 
where a lot of, especially from Caribbean backgrounds, they're just used to feeling or seeing that they have to work harder and they work and they work and they work and they've got mad jobs. And um, whereas there's a little bit of a complacency or a reticence to, or perceived reticence to, I guess, work or grind is hard in Americans. And of course, that's not the, the story across the lines with all people, but it's a you know, it was a point that was made. And I think that in some form, there's some level of that American entitlement that I think I carry with me in terms of keeping me safe. You know what I mean? Like I'm not yeah. from the safe, the safest neighborhood, but I'm also like hood adjacent. You know what I mean? I was never out in the block. I was never in right. the streets. I grew up on those streets, but I wasn't in the streets. The streets. My <laughs> friends were, you know, the dudes I dated were, and you know, yeah. my family, my cousins were, but me, no, I just got to hear about it and I got to see it firsthand from secondary experience, from that one degree of separation where I've seen you do it, so I don't need to do it. Or I've seen what happens to you or I've heard you tell me about what's going on, so I don't have to do it. Yeah. And like that street, uh, you know, I'm not coming from Milwaukee or, you know, uh, someplace in Oklahoma or someplace where I don't necessarily have the wherewithal to move around in places that I don't necessarily feel safe while still having that American entitlement or that, you know, little bit of mm, some shit goes left. I kind of know how to move and get, you know, out of the way, or I know how to stay under the radar just enough that you don't feel like you're an immediate target. If I'm in a large group of people, I don't think I could be wrong, but I don't think that I'll ever stand out as the one to fuck with versus it being somebody else. Again, I could be motherfucking wrong. I hope I'm not. So yeah. far, it hasn't been the case. You know what I mean? I've generally felt safe in most of the environments I've been in. And I think that's because I don't necessarily come from an environment where I've always felt safe. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that level of pay the fuck attention to what's going on around you. Or, you know, I think that I am able to blend in in some places abroad more easily or feel as if I'm under the radar in some places it's because I do that here. You know what I mean? I've been in neighborhoods where I'm not from here. I don't know you. I don't know the people around me. So you just yeah. act like you belong. And people don't generally fuck with you if you look like you belong. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think that that has helped with um, being in other places. And it's kind of colored how I move or influenced the decisions and, uh, you know, spaces that I allow myself to be in when I travel. Yeah, there's there's definitely like an irrationality that comes with being an American. I, I, I like I feel that, and I think other people might share that. But just like an irrationality that you kind of need to move in these spaces. Like I think it's from the idea that like you can do anything, like you can do, you can achieve anything. It's like that's kind of an irrational idea, and I think from that stems like this, like we have this understanding of our own importance that's mm -hmm. just not real but like it's something that's there and you can't really take it out so like in these in uncomfortable places at least for me my americanness i think translates in just like i don't know why i feel like i can handle this situation but i kind of feel like i can make it through like there's something about it yeah it's that entitlement that we have because we come from the land of opportunity and so I feel that a lot of us, um, especially those of us that do have the disposable means or disposable income to travel, 
we are more of that demographic of people that kind of feels like those opportunities are available to us. Whereas, um, you know, for I understand that for a large portion of the population, those may not be the first, second, or third thoughts that come to mind. They're more um, concerned with, you know, meeting basic um, necessities met or getting basic necessities met. And that's the, you know, although we are a first world country, we do have a lot of citizens that don't necessarily live first world lives. But for those of us that are afforded to be in this first world nation and live a somewhat first world life where our main concern, not only say main concerns, but of primary note is if your Wi-Fi starts acting up and then it's just like, shit, everything else got to stop because I got to figure out this Wi-Fi. You know what I mean? It's just like, we have those luxuries. And I think that a lot of that goes into um, being able to be adventurous when we travel, being able to, you know, make the decision to go to someplace that may be a little scary. I know I have a friend that is taking a really big leap and starting a small business over in Nigeria. And I'm having a really hard time supporting her in the decision because I'm worried about her safety. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know that there's a lot of shit going on. Like, and SARS, they, they didn't end it yet. Like, it, there's still <laughs> no, a very real threat over there. And I know that she's aware of what's going on over there, but I also know that she's had more. I've never been to Nigeria. She's been there uh, a few times. So I know that she has a better firsthand experience of what's going on over there. But in my mind, I'm just immediately thinking, shit's real, just a little crazy over there. And I get that you, you know, are going over with this in mind, but I'm just like, I really just want, you are my friend, I love you, you are like family to me. I want you to stay here because I know that if some shit pops off, I could get to, I could get uptown. You know what I mean? I could get to Brooklyn or I can get to Harlem. I can get to the Bronx. I can get to where you may need me, but I can't get to Nigeria to help you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that, and I also had an episode about that where a lot of times people, I don't know what episode it was, but like the advice we're given isn't always the shit that we're, we don't ask for. And I really want to be like, sit, sit down. But I understand that she's not an idiot. I'm yeah. certain that she's made you know, her decision with these things in mind. And I'm just, you know, having a hard time. It's kind of like when um, my friends or family would be like, you really have to go by yourself? You don't have nobody that could go with you? And I'm just in my head, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's just as dangerous in, you know, East New York. Y'all ain't worried about me if I'm, you know, walking the streets over there, but you worried about me if I'm over in Germany by myself? It's yeah. just like, I can get to East New York if you need me. I can't get to Germany. So it's, you know, yeah, it kind of, it, it sucks to be on the other end of that concern, but it, it kind of puts things in perspective, I guess. I don't yeah. know. And I, I, this might be a more of an optimistic and young, naive kind of thought, but I also, you know, just from experience and from stories, I believe and hope in the fact that like, even as an outsider anywhere, you can find there are people like, caring people are not exclusive to you know a type you know the right. caring people loving people people who want to take care and protect are everywhere so like Absolutely. you can find you can find people who who want to care for you you know anywhere in the world yeah you have to be open to trusting that and i think that that also is a practice in trusting your intuition and in trusting your gut and I, I think that's another reason why I enjoy seeing young people traveling so much is because those experiences where you're not necessarily um, uh, 
uh, knowledgeable or when things are new to you, it gives you a really good firsthand experience in learning to trust your gut. Like you're learning to inform yourself from that space of keeping yourself safe, safe versus fear. And I feel like that's something that I know I personally grapple with is, is this my gut telling me something or is this fear telling me something? And that, that uh, the difference in those voices and a lot of um, uh, like many pockets of research that I've done on it is one of the things that can help you with that is giving yourself the opportunity in more controlled spaces to listen to your intuition, like give it a chance to speak to you so that when it starts shouting at you, you're more familiar with the, the voice of your intuition versus your voice of fear. And if you start to travel sooner, or if you, um, like, it's just a little bit, I don't wanna say it's newer to me, but in the realm of really, and then also keep in mind that I didn't grow up in the same, um, I don't want to say culture, but in this, the, the culture wasn't this where it is now. It wasn't, um, it was a lot harder to have access to different viewpoints on yeah. things. Like the internet has really become what it is now. Um, whereas you grew up with this, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, the, like the, knowing where to go to find this information on the internet is like, y'all come out with smart devices. Whereas yeah. I was in middle school already. I'd already formulated so much of who I thought I was as a person based solely on the people around me. So being able to be exposed more to um, uh, variants of opinions and thoughts and spaces of blackness and you know um, not just blackness, but just being an American or being a woman or being a girl or being you know whatever just came in smaller, you know, yeah. doses. And I would say that as a later adult, I also was able to see the importance of honing in and pointing out these things earlier and how they make navigating a lot more of adulthood a lot more easy. Um, so that also brings me to question about how this being a quarantine kid is for you. You know what I mean? Like you're still in school yeah. and your college experience is now being taken from you because of COVID. And I know we had spoken before and I know how important like campus life was for you. And, you know, I was probably the exact opposite. I had like three jobs and I, they were all relatively easy jobs. I was teaching dance class. I was teaching more dance class. Yeah. And I was probably teaching another dance class. I think I taught like three different dance classes in college for like different organizations. But then also like I worked bullshit campus job. And then I had probably like a bullshit retail job someplace. Like I just did a lot. So yeah. I wasn't into, you know, doing clubs. I didn't do a lot of freshman year. I hung the fuck out. I was never in class. I was always late if I was there. So it was just like freshman year. I got it all out of my system. Yeah. First semester. And then I remember I woke up on somebody's floor, not on some traumatic shit, just because we was all yeah, yeah. Playing, playing video games and hanging out. And so I woke up and I was just like, damn, I got class. And I'm paying for this class. Like this is my money now. Okay, this shit hit a little different. I know my mom's is gonna be pissed if I flunk out just because 
she don't play that shit when it comes to education. Yeah. But also, she got money on the line and I got money on the line. So for me, I, I, va- I very, um, not vaguely, but I very um, clearly remember that moment where I started adulting a little bit more. I had to be a little bit more responsible because I realized what I had on the line. So my campus experience shifted. Like I just, and then also I've never really, I can do social events and parties. It's, I'm an introvert, and, but it's not in the sense that I don't, that I am not able to thrive in, you know, yeah. groups or social settings. It's just that I'm not re-energized. I'm not, you know, that's not where I find my real spark. Yeah. I'm more self-motivated in terms of, let me just channel in on what the fuck I'm interested in right now and then rabbit hole into that. So I did do parties. I did um, a lot of sorority stuff. So if it wasn't sorority related, <laughs> see me. First and uh, first and finest, yeah. Yes, I mean, granted, there are other options, but you know, we can't all be right, right? <laughs> Only partially playing. Um, but if it wasn't sorority related, yeah. and if it wasn't one of my thirty-seven jobs, I would. I didn't want to be bothered. And I know that you had the exact opposite experience. Like you, I feel like you were very mixy, and you loved it, and you wanted to be amongst people. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm slowly getting more into that vibe of like that's where I was heading towards at the end of last year where it was just like I have my job I have friends that I love and it was kind of becoming more low-key but yeah I definitely got in the mix you know like I felt like I, I didn't have that experience of high school of like going out me a lot of people I I'm an introvert and I think it took a lot of time to come to that conclusion of what you just said of like yeah, because a lot of people use that the word introvert wrong or not wrong, but they use it in a lot of different ways. And just I had to come to terms like, yeah, I like being by myself. I like silence. I like just doing what I like to do and like being in control of my time. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that I don't I can't function in these spaces right. with a lot of people. It just means that I need to have like 60 percent of my day by myself. 40%, I could rock, like, let's do it, let's do whatever. But yeah, I spent uh, a lot of time, you know, just kind of doing what we do, what you do in travel, just like putting myself in weird, uncomfortable experiences. Like, I tried out for improv my first couple weeks. I'd never done anything like that in my entire life. Ended up on this team, and that was like a big part of my college experience was this random thing that I tried out that ended up being really fun. So yeah, I just like, I put myself in a whole bunch of weird scenarios just to like, I knew that, or I had the idea that most kids had, were living these lives and were getting to do all these things that I hadn't done in high school. So I felt like I was behind. So like when I come into college, I was like, okay, I need to catch up. Like I need to get, I need to get all these things under my belt. I need to get with people. I need to go to these parties. I need to do all these things that I was missing out with, that I was missing out on. But then eventually you get to the point where it's just like, okay, yeah, like I wasn't really missing out on that much. This this stuff is cool, but like, I'm really about having good company, having, you know, good music being played. I'm really about chill. So like, I'm definitely more in the space of, let's just settle down now. Let's just, but, having missing this time of college like missing this time of being on campus has put me into more of the mode of feeling like like even though i'm still very much in school and working in school 
I've kind of been pushed a little out of school. Like, mm-hmm. how am I making money? How am I do like, how am I going to be in this professional world? What's my career going to be? Even though like I'm still a junior, like, uh, and even though you should be thinking about that stuff now, I think I've gotten more pushed into like, I'm networking a lot more. I've just, my mind is more, my mind feels like I'm not in college. I'm trying to make it in the professional world. Mm. And that has helped me, you know, just like, I've made, I think I've helped myself, put myself in a better position for after college now because of this quarantine. Mm. But like, as soon as I touch back down on college campus, I can't lie to you. It might get a little, it might get a little wild. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely miss it. I feel like that's the, I'd rather you be wild in college as opposed to 37 and wild. You know what I mean? There's a certain uh, era of your life where it's more accepted. What, you know what? Let me uh, tie that off with saying, do what's authentic to you. Yeah. Because I, I don't feel like it's fair to assume that everybody matures or that everybody experiences life in the same timeline. Um, but it's society generally favors, I won't say favors, but is a little more gentle with or a little more accepting of someone who is pre 30, yeah. um, you know, making reckless decisions. You know what I mean? Honestly, this is the time in your life when you don't have that much that you're responsible for to question everything, to try everything, to put yourself in those weird situations where it's just like, I ain't never done no fucking improv with what I got to lose. I'm gonna get credits for it. Cool. Sign me the fuck up or, okay, well, I don't have to pay anything extra for it. I'll be there. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. It, it's like those opportunities I absolutely want you to continue to take. And as much as I hate that, you know, campus life has not been afforded to you the same way it was for me to just say, I don't want to do this. And also I was like one of the few friends that actually had a car. So when they were like, Oh, you want to go to this party? I knew that that meant I had to drive. You gotta so drive. I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I got to go to work. Right. I got to be at work in the morning. Or yeah, I'll, I'll be here doing this. So that also made it easy for me to say no to a lot of things just because I never liked driving. As much as I've always had it to my disposal, it's like, I, I don't enjoy it. So that kept me out of a lot of things as well. I think if it was if it were a little more easy, I may have you know made different life choices in terms of my social life. But that being said, I don't know because I'm not a student, um, during COVID times, or I'm not a student during this um, mass transition to, um, I guess, internet exchanges. Everything that I've done online for the most part, uh, for the most part, has been purely by um, design and by choice. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm able to spend as much time online because I want to you know, nurture relationships or because I'm just genuinely curious or because I want to waste time. Whereas now you guys have to be online. Have to. You know what I mean? You don't get that opportunity to disconnect. You don't have the ability to, like for me, internet has always just been wasting time. Not wasting time because I've also very, not easily, but I've made it um, useful to me, but you don't have that option anymore and how has that if anything or any way made networking or made um you know creating music or you know your just how has that shaped the way you view your screen time or your usage yeah it's definitely it's 
definitely forced me to like be like I have to step away from the computer a lot because you know this gets tired this gets really tiring of looking into screen and especially being in these rooms where you have like maybe 20 people 10 people 15 people in a zoom it's like you're there but you're not really there like you don't feel like you're even if you get to talk once in a while you don't feel like you're in these spaces so even when you're around people and interacting with people, you still don't feel like you're with anybody. Like, I don't feel like I'm participating in any type of community. So that has definitely, I, and I, that's probably what most people are going through. You know, isolation is crazy. Being by yourself is, is very tough. And I think it only emphasizes that more, that like we are by ourselves. I think it gives me a little more confidence in terms of like how I like, interact with professors and stuff like that like i'll just say anything you know like i i hate when people don't you know try and help them out in any way like we're on this zoom this is hard enough you got to help out you got to unmute yourself you got to say some stuff so like i've gotten better at just like i'll i'll talk i'll be more confident and just like hey let me just say something now just because mm -hmm. there's silence and no one is helping out but yeah being on the screen is being on the screen, it really forces me inwards. And I think that has come out in a lot of the music that I'm working on now on like this, uh, my next EP Princess that I was working on. Which is wild, incredible, cause I've already heard two tracks on there and I'm not biased. The shit is just mad good y'all. It's just- uh, Thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, this, this music has been, it's come from, you know, having, I think, so I'll say this about campus life. On campus life, you have a home. Like for me, I had a home. I have like five or six friends that it was like, I could go out anywhere and act a fool. Like I could do anything. At the end of the day, no matter what anyone thinks about me out here, I have this home that I can go back to. Like I have these six people that I love, that I, I can see no matter what, like I have, and that gives you like having that safety, having a home base, it gives you the safety to just go out anywhere and do whatever and not having that during this time has really affected me and i think in the music i really wanted to create i wanted to create that in audio like i wanted to create music that felt like a safe space that you could come back to like and you know that you have this here so you can do it like this the love that's in this, the love that is, the relationship that you have to this music and to this feeling while you're listening to it is enough to like give you the confidence to go out. Like that's, truthfully, that's what I hope I create in my music is just the feeling of love. Like that you feel loved or you feel like you love someone more after you listen to it. That is like so deeply entrenched in what I tried to make is just like, music that can be that home base for you because that's what music has been for me like i remember times in high school literally like having you know i guess panic attacks but just like times in high school where stuff just started to feel overwhelming and i just like go run somewhere like find a room that was empty and listen to like ultralight beam by kanye and having having i think music can be a home for us especially during these times where so much is uncertain and Very i just wanted, yeah yeah, just something that's grounding, something something that doesn't do anything more than 
make you feel good, you know? Like, it doesn't have to be intellectualized. It doesn't have to be, even though it can be, like, we can go bar for bar, but, like, something that can just make you feel like you belong somewhere. That's, like, I think that is the feeling that I've been missing because of all these classes, because of being so online, and that is really what I work to do. So when it comes out, I hope that I can do that for people. And, I, and you mentioned bar for bar, and that's another thing that I can appreciate about your music is that you also have um, lyricality, like your lyrics are also very good. Like I find that a lot of, I'm absolutely at the auntie demographic now where I don't know who all these kids doing the music are. I was just looking at something and I was just like, so there's a little baby, there's the baby. Yes. And I feel like there's probably some more, but then I had to ask, I was just like, so is this the same baby that I like? I don't, I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and I don't have anything against it. I, I just don't, it doesn't connect with me the same. Just like I was saying earlier, like I love music, but I'm not like the sneakerhead of the music heads. Like I don't yeah. keep up with all the new artists. I would never be an A&R anywhere. I would yeah. just absolutely be your market. Like just somebody that enjoys music and listens for that ability to just disconnect from what's going on yeah. and bring my mind someplace else. It grounds me. It also gives me the, the type of energy or like boost in a lot of instances that I'm looking for. Like I've gotten through hella breakups based off of one or two good albums or you find an album that's going on in your life and it's like, oh, this is the breakup album. Yeah. Or, you know, I find that like if I'm cleaning, I'll throw music on. If I'm doing dishes, I don't enjoy doing much domestic shit. But if I put music on, I'm able to ground myself in a space where I'm with the vibes, I'm with the music or I'm with the lyrics or whatever, and not so much with what is going on in the present moment. So I was like, all right, I'll sweep because I can dance and sweep. Or, you know, I'll cook something or I'll be in the kitchen or whatever because now I can do it with some um, distraction. It, it, music for me gives me um, a separate sense of myself where it's just like, I can be present in where I'm at while also not focusing. So, cause I also tend to get lost in my head. I do a lot of rabbit holes and yeah. I feel like music gives me that opportunity to just kind of like relax, just yeah. balance me here in the middle so that I'm not as focused on all the details of what it is that I'm doing. And I'm also able to focus and it brings, it just makes it make sense for me. That's yeah. been, my personal experience. It lets you know where to be. Like yeah. music, it, when it gives you that beat, it gives you like the timing, the rhythm, it lets you know, like you physically know where to be. Like if you're dancing along to it, you 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 just always have, there's a timing for you to be in. You know, you have to make less decisions about yeah. yourself. Yes, I can absolutely agree with you there. So when does your music come out? When is this new project? Yeah, so the new project is being finalized right now. It's gonna come out early January next year. I don't wanna add to 2020. I'm gonna let 20, you know, I'm just gonna let her end how she's end. I, I don't wanna put my hands on 2020 anymore. But okay. 2021, it'll come out in January. It'll be a fresh start, you know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. It, it, the whole, people tend to look to New Year's as a time for new beginnings. And I, I don't like to be that Debbie Downer that always says, you can start new any day. But that has been me for a lot of different years. Um, but I do 
appreciate what resolutions are for people. I appreciate, and I feel like they're going to be extra heavy come 2021, just because yeah. of what 2020 has been for a lot of us. But I think that I can absolutely say that I've seen a lot of people also tapping into what 2020 has gifted them with, what 2020 has blessed them with. I know for many of us, it's given us the opportunity to work from home or it's given us the opportunity, well, whether or not you're working from home, whether or not you have lost your job, whether or not your job has pivoted. Um, I've seen, especially in the creative uh, realm of the internet, that 2020 has given a lot of us the opportunity to just be more in tune with creation. And because we've had that opportunity to, you know, just be home more. And I think that that's really going to start showing a lot more of itself come 2021. So, yeah. between, you know, the artists that have really just taken the time to just get to the work and grind because they can't be outside, because they can't be on campus, because they're not able to uh, congregate with their friends and family the way that they may want to. They've been able to take this time to hone in on their skills, to hone in and, you know, really perfect their crafts. And I'm, it, it really has me hopeful for what 2021 will be able to bring us. And so for me, I know that as much of the, you know, start fresh any day I do have in me to my core, I yeah. am absolutely looking forward to, because I know a lot of people look to New Year's to be that time of, you know, new energy, rebirth, and, you know, getting rid of the old and I really think that there's going to be a lot of new shit and a lot of really dope projects that will be coming out in yeah. here. I'm really looking forward to what all you have left on Princess because what you sent me so far is, I mean, I didn't expect anything, you know, other than greatness, but at the same time, when you see it, it's just like, it's like you're never surprised, but then you're always surprised. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just, yeah. yeah. no, definitely. And like, about the, the 2021 releases and about music in this time, I I thought about creating a lot during this time. I don't know why I just said creating like that. That's like <laughs> real professional. I, while I was creating this uh, this quarantine, I think like as our, for me specifically, and I know that there are a lot of there are a lot of people who just make music, and it's it's just like okay, I just want to make good vibes and put it out, you know. Mm -hmm. I and we talked about the the lyricality. I think in order to reflect music that reflects on time, like there's nothing that I've listened to, nothing that I've seen, no movie, no song, no video that has felt like 2020 or has helped me deal with 2020 yet. And I don't, I, we're still in it. Like we're still so deep in it. I don't think that you can make art that reflects something while you're still in it or even while you're just so close to it. Like. Mm -hmm quarantine has been so long and this has felt like this is like seven months in or something like that and it feels like a long time but I don't think we have the tools to necessarily speak on it yet and it's like in 20 2021 2022 is when I really expect to start hearing you know music that really talks about this because we'll never be able to look at 2020 until we have that separation from it like right. when when art wants to reflect on something you need that time. You need that time to just experience. And I think that is something that I gave myself time to do during this quarantine. And during this time was like, I took time to create and to like, obviously I created this project 
even though a, a lot of the songs or a lot of the work came before quarantine, um, I just took time to experience and like see what I was feeling and write down things and like see how the time was affecting my mind and like because you need to just experience like before I can get to a canvas before I can get to a song like I have to be able to like know what the time that I'm reflecting on was so yeah I'm all about 2021 music I'm so excited to see what comes out because I think and I've spoken to other artists friends and it's like people are in the in the moment of creating right now and they're in that moment of okay now I'm working on actual reflections from what just happened and i'm excited like i'm excited to release princess i'm excited for what that will be but i'm also just excited to see yeah where art goes because it will definitely be i think as time goes on we'll definitely start to hear more stuff that feels more like this time and really talks about this time in a real authentic way that we can relate to yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that's kind of how I feel about um, travel in a sense where, well, at least intentional travel. I think that similarly, but a little bit different is um, where you spoke to being needing to be distant from the moment to kind of express what your feelings during it were. I think that people should be, or I would like for people to take advantage of the opportunity to uh, be intentional travelers. Like while you're in the moment, while you have that distance from your everyday life, while you have the distance from the things that are stressing you when you're um, not even having to be far away from your, you know, logistically from home. Like if you just take a weekend trip to Jersey, if you take a weekend trip to, you know, a hotel, you know, an hour away from your home, like you don't necessarily have to be uh, in another, uh, on another continent. You don't have to be on an international trip yeah. to, uh, on a trip or to travel. But all that being said, um, you know, I really would offer people the upper, like the, the mindset to really check in with how you're feeling. You know, I have my intentional um, uh, solo travel course where I really tried to that's that part is still in the is that the one I have out I don't know I got a couple of different courses but I have an intentional travelers course coming out where I really want to give people tangible tools to check in with how they are feeling in the moment of their travels like you don't necessarily have to be able to fix your life if you will but if you take the time to check in with how you're experiencing yourself and how you're feeling in the moment once you get out of what that moment is, you have a fresh set of eyes. Like, I feel like you can actively solve more of your problems if you look at them from a different viewpoint. Like yeah. it's it, something is continually a problem because you haven't looked at it from a different approach. You haven't given yourself a different way to try to solve it other than what you may be used to. And clearly what you're used to isn't able to solve the problem yet. So if yeah. you look at yourself from a different lens, if you look at yourself on the beach in Guadalupe, if you check in with how you're feeling, you know, in uh, on a coffee plantation in Bali, or if you, you know, check in and say, well, how do I feel right now in the middle of nowhere as Vermont? It can yeah. possibly give you um, a view of yourself that you didn't know you had. Like it gives you an experience of yourself that you're like, oh shit, wait a minute. I didn't realize how afraid of X I am and look at me doing X. So yeah. if I can 
figure out X here in this place that is completely new to me and foreign to anything that I've done. Why the fuck can't I figure out what to do with this nigga back at the crib? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Certain things tend to, in my experience, have a, um, you're able to look at them from a, from a different lens if you are being intentional about um, your experience of yourself, sitting with yourself and the way that you've been really thinking about how 2020 has been making you feel and channeling that into the music that you want to produce and the music that you are creating and what you want to see, I really can see a parallel in how I like to travel. I really try to check in with how I am experiencing myself. How does D feel here in this moment that will translate into a different version of myself when I get back home? How can I be a better version of myself once I'm out of this experience? Because I wasn't given this experience for nothing. I wasn't given yeah. this feelings for nothing. Every moment is a gift. And I don't think that I spend enough time in my regular life um, thinking or considering that because I'm burdened with my regular life burdens. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. literally, like damn, I got to bring my rent check to my landlord or I have to, damn, I got to be up tomorrow to go to work. My rotation is coming back. All right, fuck this. Or, all right, well, I got to figure out what next week's podcast is going to be or but no, when I'm traveling, I'm able to remove myself from what my normal, you know, thought process is. And I absolutely spend try, spend time trying to identify how I feel about what I've got currently going on and how I can um, redress those concerns and feelings in a, in a form that is able to make myself a better version so that I'm more adequately able to, you know, figure shit out because yeah five years in and i still gotta figure it out i mean i'm doing better than i was at 25 but important that's the goal you know by design yeah so people find you uh people can find me on instagram you can find me at abe is abe that's where i post a lot of you know random music you can find a lot of my work there that's where i'm probably most active and interactive find me on spotify apple music youtube um at Abe, uh, Abe the Kid on Twitter. Um, but yeah, Dirty Skin on Apple Music. That's probably how you'll find me best. Yeah, I was gonna say, the easiest way to find you is by putting in like your art, your material yeah. name. Yeah, yeah. 57,000 people. I gotta scroll, scroll, scroll. And then I realized that, let me just put in Dirty Skin and boom, there you yeah. are. No, that's the, that's, that's definitely the goal now is, you know, separating from the pack. Cause there's a lot of Abes, there, not a lot of Abes, but there are Abes. I just figure, you know, I just, I'll just outdo those apes, you know, work until one point they have to change theirs. Exactly. You know, but yeah, that's, that's where you could definitely find me, you know, and one last thing before you said, when we were talking about uh, the reflecting, I just kept thinking about like that, that part of checking in is important, but also like writing things down as you're traveling that that has been the craziest thing for me because like I all I had was these because they're all around me here. All I had was these like index cards while I was traveling and I would just like write little poems or write little things that I would see down. And now getting to read those and like looking back, that has been the biggest way of reflecting because it's like, yeah, I could check in while I was there how I felt. But having to like confront myself, like confront the ideas of that time. Yeah, that's been beautiful. That's been the most beautiful form of reflection for me. I think funny that you say that because I also, I actually carry with me wherever I go. I have a travel journal. Yes. Um, I, 
Cop the travel journals, the merch. Yeah. The merch. <laughs> Indeed. So I also have a uh, travel and shit um, merch site, uh, link in the bio, blah, 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 bam, 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 or ah, ah, which I uh, consented to just being a word now. It's It, it means a thing. I don't know how yeah. to put it in the dictionary, but it's in the hood dictionary. And I absolutely understand it when I hear it. But 100%. Ah, yeah. ah, ah. That's an that's a ah, period, ah, period, ah. Yeah. For those that don't know. <laughs> it, 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 it's real and it means things. When you hear it, you know it, and it makes sense in usage. But I absolutely agree with you. Writing down your feelings, especially while you're traveling. Like, it's one thing to have, like, a journal in regular life. And I absolutely can attest to, I know every once in a while, like, when I'm cleaning shit out. And I find, like, I remember finding, like, my old diaries from, like, junior high and high school. And just reading back one, damn, look at, look at little me. Look at little D and the shit I was worried about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then also look at little me and some of the big shit that I was actually dealing with. You know what I mean? A lot of times you feel, you forget that even though you were a child, you deal with not necessarily childlike problems. You know what I mean? And when you're able to look at it as an adult, it's like, damn, okay, I see how I got where I'm at now. Yeah. And um, I absolutely love looking back on my journal entries from travels. Because photos are one thing. Yeah, but it's a different experience to write it down, you know, and I definitely don't journal as much as I would want. But I find that like if I'm in the airport and I'm waiting for a layover or I'm waiting to board or whatever, or while I'm on the plane, I can't get to sleep. I haven't found a movie that I want to watch or whatever. I find myself scribbling down what all is going on. And I try to be as detailed as possible so that seven months, seven years later, when I look back at these entries, I'm able to reconnect with how I was feeling exactly in this moment. So I'm glad you brought that up. So definitely a nice little segue to Cop Travel Journal. It's in there. Right. Nice matches the thumbnail. Bye-bye. And um, yeah, absolutely write things down. Between, pic between photos and writing things down and really making sure that you check in and writing. And it, keep in mind also, you don't, it doesn't have to be a, a comprehensive essay. You could just jot yeah. down feelings. You could jot down things you see. Anything that will trigger where you were like in that moment in the future is going to be beneficial to you. It, it doesn't have to be a, you know, grammatically correct and, you know, subject verb agreement, uh, ELA format. It, it doesn't have to be just whatever works for you. You just take a little time to figure yourself out. Sometimes you got to read it and be like, hmm, okay, what were you saying right here? Like, what was I saying right here? And you decide for yourself. But yeah, no, it's it's a it's a beautiful thing because you get to you get to see where you were, but you also get to see like, I don't use these words anymore, or I don't use this like these concepts anymore. It's, yeah, yeah, I love it. I refer to myself the same anymore. I mm. see myself bigger. I see myself uh, differently. I'm able to identify different types of people around me. I don't rely on people the same anymore, or I'm more um discerning about the people around me you, you you start to see a lot of your own patterns and a lot of growth when you're able to write it down it's just something different about being able to reread your own words that yeah. make it hit different for real anything else you want to leave the people with <sighs> i hope you love princess when it comes out this has been a great conversation support the homies buy the merch you know love somebody that's it, man. So, um, 
of course, all links in the bio, uh, links to, I have, I don't have Apple Music, I have SoundCloud, so I'll absolutely, not SoundCloud, uh, Spotify. Spotify. So I'll absolutely link to um, your music in the notes below, just so that it's much easier for you guys to find it, as well as social media handles. Um, do you have a website? I don't, website incoming. We'll talk offline about that. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, oh, where can the people find you on, uh, don't forget Clubhouse, what do you hey. do? Yeah, we're on Clubhouse now, at Abe the Kid. You know, check me out. I'm still figuring it out piece by yeah. piece, entering the conversations. But yeah, a, let me see. Yeah, at Abe the Kid on Clubhouse. Okay. And I'm also uh, traveling shit on Clubhouse. So I ain't saying nothing. I'm just listening for now. Because I just feel like if you want to do it, do it the right way. So I have a couple of things in the works with uh, Clubhouse. Uh, but definitely uh, tune in for that. Uh, links in the description, Abe. Thank you for sitting with me. Yes. Your time. I made it around the world and came back with. Yes. <laughs> Travel the shit, man. Uh, thank you so much. I love you so much. And I cannot wait to see all the places you will go. Yes. All love. This is family. People don't, if you don't know, this is family. Yeah, we here. Oh, when we both get big and wild, this is one of those things we're going to look back and be like, you see that? We was just baby entertainers here. Oh, it's going to be. Bro. Don't forget, travel is more than vacation, guys. See you next week. Bye. Peace.